Welcome home, family. Welcome home. I am so excited to be here and share a word with you. As he said, I am Christine Muenya, and I am one of the servants here at Relevant Church. Now, um, can I get away from all the mothers? I want to see who the mothers are in, in the audience. You guys are beautiful. Happy Mother's Day to all my mothers out there. Happy Mother's Day. Before we go deeper into anything, I want you guys to get your Bibles out. I need you to get your Bibles out. If you do not have a Bible, just raise your hand. The house crew will come around and pass out a Bible to you. And I want you to turn to Matthew 4, chapter 4, verse 1. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. When you get it, I want you to say, mm-mm, good. Okay, some people got it. Mm-mm, good. All right, well, most of us got it. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to take a piece of paper, a pen, or anything that you have to mark that page because we're going to come back to Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. So I want you to mark that in your page. Here at Relevant Church, we want to declare one thing and one thing and shout it from the rooftop, and that is Jesus is relevant. All right? Jesus is relevant. But do you know what else, what else is relevant? Food is relevant. Food is relevant. I love food. I am a mother of three beautiful boys. I am a wife to one beautiful husband who has allowed me to stand here and share with you. And I love them dearly, but guess what comes, you know, a a quick third under. There's God, there's family and friends, and then there's food. And there's one food that I love. And my son has already shared it, and I'm surprised he said that because I, was, I wanted somebody in the audience to guess what it is. But everybody knows that I love chicken. I yearn for chicken. I long for chicken. Fried, broiled, baked, grilled, you name it. I love chicken. But that also brings a problem in my life. Can I be authentic with you guys this morning? All right, I'm going to be authentic because there's a saying that we have here at Relevant Church, which is authenticity is the only requirement. So I'm going to be authentic. I'm going to open up my heart and my feelings. I'm going to go all the way back to 2008. I had a journal and I was digging through my drawer and I found a journal and I read through it. And this entry on October 8th of 2008 was five pages long. So that can tell you that I was going through something because I I ain't got time to write no five pages. But I was going through something at the time. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to read a small portion that was at the very end of my journal. It says, Dear God, it's me again. Once again, I'm coming to you asking for help. I'm always asking for help. But first, let me thank you for my health and strength. Although I feel humongous and my clothes either don't fit or are very tight, you have kept me healthy and strong. But Lord, I know I could be healthier and stronger, and I'm coming to you because I have a sin that I'm dealing with, and that's an addiction to food. Lord, I don't want to be a lover of food. I don't want to be so big anymore. You said I could do all things through you, so give me your strength. You also said if I ask for wisdom and if I believe, I will receive it. So I'm expecting a change. In your son's name, Jesus, amen. 
Till Tomorrow Journal, XOXO. That was over eight years ago. And guess what, church? I did lose the weight. I lost all of it and got to my goal weight. I was so excited. But guess what? I'm right back to square one. I've hit the biggest I've ever been once again. Now, I have a commercial that that describes the feelings that I go through or I was going through at the time. Take a look at the screen. When you're on a diet, hungry is there to sabotage you every step of the way. That's why Weight Watchers created the brand new Momentum program. Now you can conquer hungry and other things that stop you from losing weight. Call 1-800-214-5533 now. Learn new strategies like choosing filling foods so you don't eat when you're tempted or stressed out. Now, you see that monster in that video? That monster was my cravings. They were everywhere following me. In my drawer at work, I'd open the drawer and he's like, hey, I'm snacks, I'm here for you. I would go to my pantry and open it and I would see all the kids' snacks there. It came to the point that I went to a conference, and I I had a little baby at the time. I think Elijah, not Elijah, Jeremiah was really small. And I said, okay, I need to nurse him. I couldn't find a nursing place, so I went to the bathroom to nurse him. And on the counters, they had chocolate mints in the bathroom. You know, I was was in there. I I was nursing and eating my chocolates, you know, because the cravings are so strong. But that commercial also went to say if you ate healthier foods and you'd feel fuller longer and you'd feel fuller faster. But I realized that wasn't the heart of the problem. Feeling full is not my problem. That wasn't the issue. It was the cravings. If feeling fuller was was the issue, guess what? Bypass surgeries would work 100% of the time. But statistics show that 34.5% of bypass surgeries fail. Why? Because although the patient's stomach is smaller and they get fuller, faster, that did not stop them from craving or wanting more. Now, I could throw down a six-course meal, all right? I will be full to the point that I can't drink any more water, but yet I still crave the dessert that comes next. And I still have the craving for something sweet after. So if feeling full is the answer, it wasn't the answer. It's never the answer. Let's look at point one. Craving isn't a bad thing when it's a God thing. All right? Craving isn't a bad thing when it's a God thing. The object of our craving was never meant to be food. Or other things that we consume. I know for me it's food, but for others, our cravings are sex, drugs, need for approval, success, money. There's other things that our body or our mind and our heart crave for. Let's look to see what Webster actually says, what this craving word really means. It's an intense urgent or abnormal desire or longing, a very strong desire for something, 
a very strong desire for something. That's what the word craven means. And in Psalms, Psalms is a book in the Bible where a lot of people go for, for strength or for encouragement. And as I was reading, I saw that there was, there was talking about this craven word. So if we look at Psalms 84, verse 1 and 2, the psalmist says, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. That's the English Standard Version. So I went and I dug deeper and I said, let me look at a different version. And I went and I saw my soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. That's the new international version. So I said, hold on, let me take one step further and look at one other Bible. And I looked at the new American Standard Bible and it said, my soul longed and even yearned for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. Now, there's, there's different versions of Bibles because they're written at different levels. Now, the English Standard Version is written at, I think, a 10th grade, a 10th grade level. And then we have the, um, the New International Version, which is written at a 7th grade level. And, and so there's different versions of the Bible just so that they are catering to a different crowd. And that, so they use different words so people could understand them. So here we are. Point number two. We are made to crave long for, want greatly, desire God, and only God. So craving isn't a bad thing when it's a God thing. For you men out there, I know you're like, oh, food is not a big deal. I'm not into the craving of food or stuff like that. But think about it. At 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock when you're ready to cut off and you're like, I need to get home, or the ESPN, there's a game on. That desire, that longing that you feel like, I need to get home as quick as possible to sit in my nice comfy seat, put up my foot, and watch a game. That's the desire and yearning and longing I'm talking about. Or for some of you who, who are like, okay, I need to relieve this stress. I need to hurry up and go play ball or golfing to release some stress. I, I'm yearning for that. I'm longing for that break from work. That is the longing and the desires I'm talking about. Now, God made us to crave, so he understands that Satan is always there to mess up what he's made. All right? Satan is always there to mess up what God has made. And he warns us about this in the book. And that's why I love this book, the Bible, because to me, it's a, a, it's a roadmap. It gives me instructions on, on life. Who better to go to but then my heavenly father who created me? He knows the struggles I go through. He knows what I, I go through and knows my heart. And so he gives me the word to help me through this life, this journey. So I went to 1 John verse 2 and 15, and God warns me about the cravings that he made us to have. He says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. Now, in this text, we see three things that Satan is going to constantly use to lure us away from God. We see craving, which is the desire of our flesh. We see lust, which is the desire of our eyes. And we see pride, 
which is boasting. The cravings of a sinful man, all that means is you're trying to go outside of what God wants for you to fill your desire for physical need. And then there's lust, and we try to go outside of what God planned for us so that we could meet our material needs. And then the last one, boasting, we, we go outside of, of what God wants for us by trying to find our need of a significance. These are the three tactics that Satan is constantly going to use. Now, most of us know the story of Adam and Eve, right? And this is one of the first stories in the book that, that children learn and stuff like that. And the serpent, which is Satan, uses these three tactics with Eve to get her to fall and eat the forbidden fruit. So let's, let's, look, at, let's look at Genesis 3, verse 6. It says, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Now I'm going to look at that, that same verse again and I'm going to point out those three tactics that Satan used. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that's the craving, and that it was a delight to the eyes, that's lust of the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, that's boasting or looking for significance, she took up the fruit and ate it. Now the story doesn't even stop there. Satan has the nerve to use these same three tactics on the Son of God, Jesus himself. And that's where we're going to go to the Bible. Go ahead and let's open it up to where you marked off. Matthew 4, sorry, verse 1 through 11. Matthew 4, verse 1 to 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glories. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if, you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Now, if you notice, the temptations were the exact same. The cravings. Satan tried to get Jesus to fall because he knew Jesus had fasted 40 days and was hungry, so he appealed to his cravings. Then we go to the lust of the eyes. He brought him up on the pinnacle and said, hey, 
Look at all these kingdoms and their glories and their golds and all that. I will give it to you. So that's the lust of the eyes. Then he went to Bolston. He brought him on the mountain and said, why don't you go ahead and jump? Prove to me that you are God. Somebody, one of the angels are going to catch you. So he's, he's trying to say, God, prove your significance. Show me that you are God. So he uses these three exact same tactics that he used with Eve and that he's using with us. But the difference is with Eve, she was full and focused on her object of her desire. But with Jesus, he was full and focused on God's word, which is the truth. That goes to our next point. It says, we consume what we think about and what we think about, we consume. Jesus, unlike Eve, was completely in a weak state and a deprived state. He was hungry. He was, he was in need of food. Eve, on the other hand, she was in the Garden of Eden. She was in paradise. She had everything she needed, especially food. And yet, she was the one that fell. Why? Because Jesus knows how to escape the temptation by using his word. Truth is powerful. Point four. The more saturated we are with truth, the more powerful we'll be in resisting temptation. A few weeks ago, Pastor Muta preached about one of the famous statements of Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. And if we want to be saturated with truth, we must be saturated with Jesus. I didn't share this before because I wanted to save the best thing for last. Let's go back to Psalms 84, 1 and 2, and it'll be on the screen. It says, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. Now this, it says your dwelling place. I long for your dwelling place. In the Old Testament, the dwelling place of God was the sanctuary or the tabernacles or the, the places of worship. That's where God dwelt. But now the dwelling place is Jesus himself. And I can't really say it good, so I'm going to read it from the quote that I found. It says, God's dwelling place in the Old Testament always pointed to Jesus as the dwelling place of God. And through the gospel, we see the fulfillment that God's dwelling place is now Jesus. John 1 verse 14 says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. There goes that word again. He dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. Glory is the son of the father, full of grace and full of truth. There goes that word truth. The more saturated we are with truth, the more powerful we'll be in resistant temptation. Now, if Jesus said he is the truth, right? That sentence should say the more saturated we are with Jesus, the more powerful we'll be in resistant temptation. Now, Jesus Christ came to this earth to free us from our cravings of things that could never satisfy us. He died so that we would be free from the enemy's lies of false satisfaction. And he was resurrected so that we can have a new, greater, 
desire only found in him. My cravings lie with food. I'm still struggling. I'm still on this journey. I'm not perfect. At Relevant, we have a saying that says, no perfect people allowed. So if you're perfect here, you can get up and leave. Because here we struggle together. We journey together. We're trying to make it to another level together. Mine is food, guys. Yours might be money. Yours might be drugs. Yours might be um, just approval from some other people in your life. Yours might be success. That is what you're craving. But come on, guys. We need to transfer our cravings to what we lack to what we already have, which is Jesus Christ. He is the truth. He is the temple of God. He is the one we should crave. Cravings, are they a curse or are they a blessing? That all depends on what we're craving. And what we are craving will always depend on what we're consuming. The object of our desire should be for God and his truth, who is Jesus. We were made to crave. Get used to it. We were made to crave him. Because craving is not a bad thing when it's a God thing. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've fearfully and wonderfully made us. You made us to crave, you made us long, and you made us desire, dear Lord. But Satan has a way of twisting our desires to be for things that are not of you. And Lord Jesus, we're coming to you once again, asking for help. Help us to, to consume the things that you want us to consume, which is your word. Consuming Jesus, dear Lord. Allowing us to crave and desire the things that are of you, dear Lord. This is a constant struggle, and we're asking you to help us. Lord, you said that you will be there for us, and you understand what we went through because your son also had this temptation, dear Lord, but he fought it with your word. And so help us to dig into our word when the struggles are there. Help us to look to that, that map that will help us along this journey called life. We love you, Lord, and we can't wait to see you face to face. In Jesus' name, I pray.